Have you ever argued with a two-year-old? Has anyone ever done that? I'll be honest, like, if, you argue, if you're a parent in here, you probably feel like you do it often. Some of you, I bet, I bet like, you, you, I feel like I need to tell you, like, just stop it. Like, stop arguing with the two-year-old. Not because um, you, you can't necessarily, uh, well, you just, even if you win with a two-year-old, do you ever feel like you actually won? Like, this is the question. Like, I feel like sometimes when I'm arguing with, it, with one of my kids, it's like they get to this spot where they kind of go, they say something that makes almost no sense, and, it, and it's, it's, it's comical, yet sometimes abrasive, but you can't help. Have you ever argued and you just get to a spot where you just kind of start laughing? You're like, oh, man, I, I shouldn't laugh at what she just said there, but, man, that was really good. And you know what? Because of that, you win. And then the whole point of why I started the argument is, is lost, and, and, the, and the, the lesson that needed to be learned was lost. And I feel like um, maybe some of you don't argue with two-year-olds, but some of you probably argue too much, and you keep losing, so... Just, just stop. Stop arguing with the two-year-olds. Stop trying to win that battle because um, it's just silly. And I feel like where we are in, in the text today in Matthew chapter 12, you can turn there in your Bibles, is, is kind of this point where, where the Pharisees take what they were saying and they take um, the, the opposition that they brought to Jesus and they've already confronted him on a number of different things and they, they kind of turn a corner in their argument. And I really, I swear, it's kind of like they... The, the question they ask, the next, the next question they have, it, it so reveals their hearts that it's, it's I'm kind of sad for them. Like, I don't know, I feel like the Pharisees get a pretty bad rap because we can see, like, you know, we have texts like where Jesus before says, knowing their hearts, and he, he confronts on what they say. But I, but I, I kind of feel like the Pharisees at this point are like, well, um, well, I know you are, but what am I? Like, I feel like that's kind of the level of the argument that they're having with Jesus right now because he's just confronted them, on, or they, they opposed him, and, and came to him and said, look, Jesus, you, you, are, you are doing all these miracles by the power of Satan, and that's why you're doing it. And so he, he just destroys that argument. He, he lays out why that is, is absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous and, and foolish. And then he talks about their heart, and he, he peels back what is on the exterior of them and says, look, it's, it's a bad tree or a good tree uh, produces bad fruit or good fruit. There's nothing in the middle. And then we come to this section, and I, I feel like, I feel like the Pharisees are, I mean, are kind of arguing with a two-year-old. And not that Jesus is a two-year-old, but they're, they're making this state, this, this claim and this argument that is, well, I mean, again, we have the whole story, but they ask Jesus for a sign, and we're going to get there for a second, and they ask him for this sign. And now we've just read account after account of all the miracles that Jesus has done. You know, just before, the, the confrontation that he's having is because he healed a person on the Sabbath. So they saw a miracle right in front of their eyes, and they attacked him on that. And then they said, well, you do it because of this, and you do it because of this. And then they come to this last question. It's like, well, all right, well, then show us, show us a sign. Show us something, Jesus. Like, give us something. And there's already murmurs of him calming the storm on the sea and, and healing lepers by touching him. Oh, dead people raising from, uh, raising from the dead and becoming alive again. And there's no small thing that he's undertaken thus far, and yet they continue to say, well, show us a sign. And what I think this, the, as, as sad as I am for the Pharisees, like, as, as silly as it seems that they do this, I feel like we do this on a regular basis in our life. I feel like we will continually say, now we would not like admit to barding with God, like, would you do this, God, and then I will. But we live our lives in action that, that, that says that very thing. We live our lives where we say, okay, okay, Jesus, I want my job to go this way. I want my 
my life, my relationship to be this way. I want you to solve this problem. I want you to make this happen. And then what happens is, is that it doesn't seem to be solved. Or the relationship doesn't be restored. Or, or the job doesn't happen. Or the grades don't come. And what ends up happening is, is we do, maybe not intentionally, a bit, but just to make us all squirm a little bit, I think we, we start doubting God. We start doubting that Jesus is even capable of doing miracles. And then what happens is if we sit in that spot and we don't deal with it, the next time that something big comes, which it does, and it will, we approach God with, with a little bit more timidity. So he didn't help me in my relationship, so why would he help my husband with his health? So he didn't seem to care about, about this job, so then why would he actually restore my marriage. And what ends up happening is if we don't really deal with the heart of what's going on there, we start believing the very thing that the Pharisees do, which is, Jesus, give me a sign or else. Give me a sign and then I'll believe. And, and we, I think, because of that posture, we forget all the incredible, miraculous, amazing things that he has done. We are in a season where we're, we're, you know, in two days we're going to celebrate, or three days we're going to celebrate this, this Christmas Eve, and okay, the date's wrong, and yeah, Santa's hijacked it, and whatever you want to say, like, I get it, okay? But, but the point is, is this, is that, is that what was in that making, what was in that waiting, was the very thing that these Pharisees right now, these Pharisees were, were confronting the very being, the very person, the one that they had been waiting for year after year after year. Their ancestors talked about, they've memorized the Old Testament scriptures, and when it came to facing him front on, they rejected him. And instead of allowing him to teach them about their, their ridiculous tactics and to show them how they've missed, they've, they've, They've completely missed what was God was doing, and they've, they've made tradition more important than, than relationship, and they've, they've missed the whole point of what God's kingdom looked like. They then come to him and say, okay, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And you got to remember, these, these Pharisees, they, they, they represent what we see in the, in the Bible. They represent essentially Israel. They represent the, the state of Israel, God's chosen people, and, and Jesus is, is trying to deal with them. And at times he's gentle, and, and like last week he's, he calls them a brood of vipers, and so he's not so gentle. But essentially it comes to this section. And so, so the scribes and the Pharisees answered him after he just said, um, for by your words you will be justified and by your words will be condemned. Then, then some scribes and Pharisees, which are religious teachers, they would have known the Old Testament scriptures really well. They were the ones that would have overseen kind of the, the, the keeping of all the commandments and all the extra laws that were put in place by the rabbis. These, these leaders, they look at him and they say, teacher, and that right there is how we know that they are being absolutely ridiculous in their, in their claim. Because the rabbi, or the, the scribes and the Pharisees would not have recognized a non-Pharisee or scribe as a teacher. They wouldn't have. That was, that was ridiculous. And so they literally looked at him in a mocking way, and they said, hey, teacher. And this is that point where they started turning into little two-year-olds, and they're like, well, show us something. Do something for us then, Jesus. Come on. And like I said, we hold that posture with him. We sit down sometimes and say, you know what? This is too hard. You do something, Jesus. You make it work. Or else. We start, we start confronting him. So he says, teacher. Teacher, which is just a, it's a, it's a complete slam 
we wish to see a sign from you. So it's, 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 they say this in front of many other people. And so it almost looks like they're humbly approaching Jesus, which just depicts more of their heart. And they say this thing, and, and here's, it's like it, uh, maybe a common day example would be us using prayer for gossip. We try and make it look holy by what we're about to say. But really, it's just, just hiding the condition of our heart or showing the condition of our heart, I should say. So teacher, show us, show us a sign. Give us something. And the sign they're asking for in this one is something that would have been of such grand um, gesture, so big, so amazing that there was no doubt in anyone's mind. Because some of the rabbis and some of the teachings would happen. There are, there are stories through some of the rabbis' letters where a rabbi would say something and then he would say, um, and this will happen here and some little miracle would happen to, to solidify the fact that this was of God. Jesus just said that he is the son of God. Jesus just made the claim that I'm the Messiah. He had, he had no problem saying that in front of these guys. And so they say, teacher, show us a sign. So then Jesus answers them with a, a, a very nice starting. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with, his, with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of, jo- of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And he goes on, he says, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater and Solomon is here. <laughs> Jesus just had the audacity to, to, to basically say that Solomon, whom they would held such high regard, he was the wisest person to live and the, the most wealthy, and he had God's favor on him, and he says something greater than Solomon is here. And so what Jesus is essentially doing is he's saying, okay, you want a sign? Well, let's, let's look at the people that got signs and their response to those signs. So he goes to the story of Jonah. Now, I mean, honestly, show of hands. How many of you have heard the story of Jonah in some form or another? Okay. So we have, like, these nice little stories about what happens with Jonah. And essentially, as I was rereading through it, man, Jonah was messed up. Like, I, I hate to say it, like, any other way than that. But, but yet God, despite his messed up, even the way it ends, and, and Jonah's like, man, just kill me, God. Like, just destroy me. This is ridiculous. And God continually presses into him. And what I love about the story of Jonah is Jonah shows God's incredible grace. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing how much grace he had for the people of Nineveh. These are Gentile people, people that were, were, were not even viewed as God's chosen children. So back in this time, Jonah not wanting to go there was like, why would you send me to not your children, God? Why would you, why would you even give the people, the Gentiles, the half-breeds, the people that aren't worthy of anything, why would you give them a chance for your grace? And Jesus goes to that story. What's so interesting about what Jesus does in the story is he says, hey, that's the sign. There's a sign you get. And he points to, to the three days and the three nights and in and, and, and the belly of the fish and, and how, how the Son of Man or Jesus, his, his term for himself, the, the Messiah will spend three days and three nights. He's, 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 this is the second time he's prophesying of his death and resurrection. And so we, we see Jesus right now talking about it. Now, some people, some people argue three days and three nights doesn't coincide with 
um, Good Friday to Easter. Uh, there's a bunch of rabbis' writings like in 100 AD and even earlier that talk about a whole day and a whole night being just a portion of it. So the whole day could be like 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and then the, evening, the whole night could be 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock. So there's a lot of room for that three days and three nights, just in case you're like, wait, 72 hours in the grave didn't happen. You want to fight it? A lot, of, lot smarter people than all of us have already kind of dug into that. But the central point is this, is that what Jesus is saying is, I'm the sign. You, you, you want to see a miracle? I'm it. You want to see something incredibly amazing? It's me. It's me. You're, you're, you're talking to it right now. I'm the sign. And just to, to push on the fact of their evil hearts and their, their adulterous side, which was a reference to, to Israel losing its first love with God and taking on idols. And so he's saying this adulterous generation and again, Jesus is speaking to Israel, the Jews, the, the God's chosen people. He says that the people of Nineveh, these Gentile half-breeds, sinful, nasty, horrible people in their mind, on the day of judgment are going to sit and look and judge them. So what he's saying is he's saying, look, you think because of your position in birthright, you're in. I'm telling you right now, the people of Nineveh are in, and they're going to judge you. You want a sign? The sign is there. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, it's already happened with Jonah. This is the funny thing about Jonah. Essentially, every single person in Nineveh, how that story came out, had to take Jonah's word that he was eaten by a fish and lived three days and three nights. Right? Like, you think about it. It's just like, like, we don't really have him in Nineveh. He's going to walk around, well, I was three days in a fish, so thus saith the Lord. No, he just goes around and says, in 40 days, this place is going down. He just shows up. And those people, those, those pagans, those, those unbelievers, those, they have no history of, of all of what God has done for the Jewish culture and, the, and his chosen people. Those people, they instantly fall down, put on sackcloth, repent, and, and mourn all the way from the most poorest person all the way up to the king. And God spares them. And, and, and Jesus is saying, those people, those people, took a person that was a really kind of, I mean, dare I say pathetic follower, this is my words, but pathetic follower of God, like was very, I mean, we all know the story, like he left, he didn't want to go to Jonah, he didn't want to go to, he didn't, he is Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh, he didn't want to run that way, in fact, he tried to go the other way, and then all the people on the, on the ship are, are praying to their gods because it's going down, he's like, and they cast lots, Jonah's sitting there going, please don't, oh man, it's me, like what do you need to do, throw me over, and the, and the, the storm will go away, and sure enough, it's calm. And then God uses the fish, or the whale at that point, the sea monster, to bring him to Nineveh, and it vomits him out. I love that. It vomits him out, and that's how he does it. And Jesus says, the people of Nineveh believed that guy. And you have the Son of God standing in front of you who has done incredible things. I've just proven to you in, in your own logic that what you just claimed was done by Satan's power was ludicrous. And that what I'm doing is of God's power. And you're asking for another sign? And just to go on, he says, okay, well, let's talk about the, the, um, 
the queen of the south. And so he, he talks about this queen here, and he, he basically says the queen of the south will rise up. And this is a queen. We see this in 1 Kings 10, the story where she's in, in, Ara- in an Arab nation down south. They would have said this would have been the ends of the earth, and she travels across the Arabian, uh, des- Arabian desert and, and makes her way up to see Solomon to question him because she hears about his wisdom and his money, and she's, she's intrigued by it. This is someone, again, that is in no way, shape, or form understanding the culture or the upbringing or the Old Testament the way that the Jews would have. And she shows up to Solomon and asks him all these really difficult questions and Solomon like aces the test and she's like amazed. And so she's super, super wealthy and he's even more wealthy and so she gives a bunch of her wealth to his wealth which is like the poor giving to the, or the rich giving to the rich. It happened then too. Um, anyways, and she, she gives all this money to him and then leaves and, and it basically what Jesus is saying is this person had nothing she was a she was an 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 arab woman you know the far ends of the earth the south she crosses desert and she will stand in condemnation and judgment over you this pagan queen will stand over you and yet i tell you someone greater than even Solomon was here, and his point is he's, he's pulling back these stories that every single one of those Pharisees and scribes knew. They taught, they understood, they encouraged, they, they, they rebuked, they did all these things through these stories, and he's saying, look, what you have is so much greater than what they have, yet they believed. In essence, he's saying, what's your problem? What's your issue? And so I want to pose the question in a different way. But before I do, I want to I say this. We just, we talked, I don't know, it was months ago because it's taking quite a bit, but we talked about John the Baptist and his doubts of Jesus being the Messiah. The, the circumstances he was in and the, the struggles in his life and, and, and because of his, his understanding, his incomplete understanding of the revelation of Christ, he, was, he, started, he began to question, even though he had seen so much of what Jesus had done already and heard so much, he began to question whether or not he was the Messiah. And we see that, that Jesus gently and graciously answers John's um, disciples and tells them, like, I am him. And he, he answers it, like, as, as clear as possible with the scriptures that John the Baptist knew. And so there is nothing wrong with doubting God. There is absolutely nothing wrong with doubting God. It's what we do with those doubts is what's dangerous. And what we saw in that text is that, that, that what John did is he went right to Christ. He went right to God's word. Jesus used God's word to empower John in his belief. So there's nothing wrong with doubts. But that being said, what the Pharisees had over the people of Nineveh, over the queen of the southern regions, you and I have so much more. We have so much more. We don't only have, like they didn't have this story of what was going to happen three days and three nights. They had no idea of what it really meant, the Son of Man into earth and then coming out. And yet you and I have the complete revelation of God's story and work through Christ in our hands. So, as we stand with these religious leaders at times and we ask Jesus for a sign, I think that we're forgetting the magnificent sign that we already have in the work of Jesus Christ to the cross. And sure, we, we make Christmas services and we try and 
make the point of, oh, here's his birth, and we have Easter, and he's risen, and we kind of, you know, we have these, these big moments at which we try to remind ourselves of what's happened. But do you realize that, that, that the Christmas Eve and the Easter and all that stuff, as, as, as awesome as those are, as beautiful as a picture it is, that, that's not even the point. The point is what God is doing in the hearts of his people. He has, he has, he has, he has done this amazing work and, and, and folded this incredible love story from beginning to end that culminates on the cross in Jesus Christ so that you and I can be in a right standing relationship with him despite everything in us is opposed to him. Despite the fact that we don't deserve it, despite the fact that we have no right for it, we are, it's not this birthright, it's not something that I earned, it's something that he graciously did for us and I think we forget over and over again in our lives, in our actions, in our, in our words, the miracle that has happened in each and every one of our hearts for those that have surrendered their life to the work of Jesus Christ. How, how, how dare we at times, God, show me, a sh- show me a sign. I feel like every time I would say that, Jesus is like, hey, hey, Bram, come here, buddy. He sits me down, he's like, hey, <clears throat> now I know you, you, you say pastor and all that other stuff, but let's, let's, come on, we need to talk. And he pulls me in, and I feel like he kind of puts his arm around me. He's like, whack. No, he doesn't slap me, but I feel like he should, right? I feel like in, in some ways it's like, hey, do you know what I've done? Like, look at who you were before me. Do you realize the depravity of your soul, the lack of hope you had apart from me? I feel like we, we minimize it. Yeah, 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 that's good. He did that, but I really like, I'm ready to, you know, be done struggling with this. I'm ready to, to move on. We're in such a hurry to go through this vapor of a life that I, f- I think we forget that the point of our life is to bring glory to Christ. Why not slow that down? Look, look the apostle Paul says to die is gain. I get it. Like when we get to heaven, it, it, we're there. But why not slow down the opportunity to be a part of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Why not just stop for a moment and go, wait, wait, wait. I don't need another sign. I don't need you to, to fix this relationship or to to do this thing with my job or to do this thing financially or to heal this person physically. I don't need any of that for me to to believe in you. Like all that's just kind of icing on the cake. And what the best part is is that Jesus is about redeeming that lost relationship. He is about redeeming the work situation or bringing you into a spot and not health and wealth and talking about that, but he, he, yours, if, you are, if you are surrendered to him as Lord, then you've already experienced the biggest miracle you will ever experience in your life, which is a heart of stone becoming a heart of flesh. If you're married, you can look at the person next to you. Don't do this, but you can look at the person next to you and you can be like, yeah, I know what God did with you. I mean, it's pretty easy, right? Like you can look, we see that. At, like I love Jen, she's an amazing woman. Like I totally married up. But it is, it is not hard for me to see what God did in her. And man, it, apart from Christ, whoo. And that, like, look, I, whoo, you know, like, it's, it's, but she can say the exact same about me. Right? She can say the exact same about me. I mean, all, like, the work of Christ in us is something so unique and beautiful to each individual. It's not like he's just kind of waving his hand and saying, okay, fixed, let's go. No, he, he does. He sits down with you. He puts his arm around you. He says, all right, all right, all right. Come here. And he smacks you across the head sometimes. And he cuts off some vines that aren't connected to him. And he says, I'm going to make you look so much like me that you will never recognize you again. And he does this incredibly beautiful work. 
inside of our hearts, inside of our, our lives, and we begin to see things happen. And I feel like what's so dangerous about this question of give me a sign is that a lot of times we take the work that Jesus is doing internally and we start seeing some, like, oh, he did this or he did that, and we, we stop making it about him and we make it more about ourselves. What I want, what I need, get my own. And we stop, we stop giving him the glory that he deserves. And we stop, we stop allowing him to push into us and make us more and more and more like himself. So what's so dangerous about this is is if you're waiting for a sign for Jesus, like here's, uh, like I have people ask this, I'm just waiting for God to call me to do something. It's like, well, he's already called you to do something, like make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's for all of us. Like there are times, and I will admit, there are times that we need to just wait on the Lord. Like you're looking for a direction. You're looking for, a, for a, okay, here, here's what I, here are the things that are laid out, and you've got the wise counsel like Proverbs talks about around you, and you, you're surrounding. There are times where it's like, it's not clear which way to go in this, and I, I believe that that's true, and that's great. And so you're like, God, give me an answer. Help me, help me see this clearly. Help me understand this. There's nothing wrong with that question, but I feel like a lot of times our question isn't, I'm going to be still and wait on the Lord, and, and I'm going to bring this wise counsel in, and, and, and God, give me an answer. It's, God, this is what I want. Make it happen. I want, I want here. So, like, what scripture do I need to, to justify? Oh, okay, here we go. I'll use this one out of context. This works, and let's go. And I feel like so many times what happens is we do the very things the Pharisees are doing is, come on, just show me something. Like, it's some genie to rub and make some magical thing happen. And the danger is, is that at the root of that question is, do you believe that he is Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he was in the belly of the earth for three days, three nights? Do you believe that he, he conquered that for yours and my salvation so that he could redeem a relationship that had been severed by sin in this world? See, a lot of times when we ask for signs, I think what's rooted in that is our lack of trust and belief in God. And that's what's so dangerous about this question of show me a sign. Give me an answer. Is that if we just start peeling back those layers at the root of it, it's like, God, I don't trust you. You can't be the God. And I don't, I don't think most of us are going to be like, well, you're doing that because of Satan, obviously. Like, I don't think that's where we're at. Maybe some of you are. Um, just read a few verses back. He says some nice things to you. But most of us, I feel like, what, where, where we're at is we're struggling maybe with, like, we have this, we call them, you know, faith crisis. I don't know. Life is so hard. What are we, what, what's going on? I can't figure it out. The author of Hebrews tells us, you know, that a true, true believer is, is seen at the end as you've persevered and you've gone this long, long race. And so my encouragement would be to, to it's, there's nothing wrong. God, show me. Give me something apply there's nothing wrong he 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 continually relates himself as a loving father that knows everything we need and knows each and every one of us to the finest degree of every aspect of us there's nothing wrong with going to god and saying give me something i'm looking for this help me answer this but just make sure that the, at the root of that it's not this if you don't i won't believe if you don't do this well then i'm out did you ever think about how crazy that theory is with God? Like, do you think that God's like, oh, what should I do? Brent is doubting. 
Oh, no, no, buddy, come here, 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 come on. Let me, let me turn this frog into something and, and you'll... I don't think he's really shaken by that. I really don't. Like, I think he's okay with our doubts. He's okay with our, our struggles. In fact, I think he, he pushes into us to see us wrestle in a way so that he can start refining us like gold, fine gold, and pulling out, purging out all the things that aren't of him. So I guess when it comes to this, is, is what are you waiting for? And this, like, are you looking, are you sitting there with the Pharisees kind of like a two-year-old going, well, I ain't moving. Not until you do this. All right, is, do the actions of your life show that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Not, not, not just the words, but do the actions, like the, do the, the process. And I understand, like, there are some difficult days in all of our lives. Like, I understand that sometimes it's like, man, it's, you're hanging on a thread of hope in him. But what's beautiful about any hope in him is what he can do to restore. Just a little bit. It's amazing what God can do with just a little bit of that. It's not a, not a I work this on my own strength. It's not a, I'm, I'm white-knuckling my belief in Jesus and that's it. It's a, I'm surrendered to you are Jesus, you are God in spite of my circumstances. You are God in spite of what does come from this. Uh, Danny, one of the guys on the leadership team, I love it. Every time he prays for anything, whether it's healing or, or um, a, a good milkshake, at a, I don't, like seriously, that's a bad example. But whatever, whenever he's praying, I love it. At the very end, he always says, and I thank you in advance for your answer to prayer. Because you are God. And you were always God in spite of everything. And it's like, he just, he just like, it's like, I know, he's going to answer it. He's going to answer it to, according to his will, and I'm in. And I love that about him. And I feel like a lot of times we need to be thanking God for the fact that he's already done a great work in us and that he's doing an even a more amazing work, which is making that broken and nasty and disgusting person more like his son, Jesus Christ. He is sanctifying us. He's completing us. And he's not going to stop until he's done. The, the band's going to come up. We're going we're gonna to worship and sing some more. But I, I just, I hope that you're not sitting you know, on your hands or with your head in the sand saying, I'm, you know what, unless he does this. And maybe this is a time to, to talk to those in the room that, I don't know what I believe, or I was raised in the church for a long time, and I, I can't even remember the last time I actually opened God's Word, and I didn't even know it had that many pages in it. Or I mean, maybe you're just like, I've been kind of in close proximity to Jesus, and I, 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 I like the idea of him, and I like the certain things that he gives me, but there's just a lot of areas in my life that I'm, I'm holding on. Like, I am not going to surrender this to him. I'm white-knuckling it. I feel like I feel like I want to encourage you for being here, not being here like, oh, good, you came to church, but like being here and that you are at least stepping in to that, that, that gap. You're stepping into that, okay, God, maybe there is something or my friend or my family member or this person says that there is something here and so I'm going to go ahead and step in the gap and this is kind of the best spot or whatever I can do and that's great. But I want to just, I guess maybe challenge you, like what are you waiting for? Like are you waiting for him to, do something in your life like, oh, when I graduate from college, then I'll surrender this to him. When I, when, I, when I finally can see that my wife or my husband really does love me, then I'll believe you, Jesus. And I would just, I would just caution you 
that as, as great as it is that you're here and you're in close by proximity or, or you're displaying steps towards him, and I believe that God does come to us when we step in that way. I believe that he opens our hearts in that way. As good as that is, it's equally dangerous to sit in the spot of show me a sign because the Pharisees were doing that very thing. Pharisees were doing that. Look, I am here. I see you. I, I understand you do some great things and there's some neat things and I, I, you know, there's some people that follow it and that's great, but I'm just not really fully convinced. And I, I believe that God teaches us that, that his word either hardens or softens. And so I would encourage you to, to do, do a few things. First off, I would encourage you, if you're like, I don't know if I've ever fully surrendered, I would encourage you to actually do that. I get down, Romans 10, 9 says, confess with your mouth, believe that Lord in your heart and, 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 and believe it and surrender to it. And maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's that you've, you've said that, you've done that, and it's finally time for you to stop saying, okay, when you do this, I'll actually start walking in that. Maybe, maybe it's just a, a, a totally different thing, and most of us in here, you're like, I believe this brand, that's great. You always talk about Romans 10, 9. Okay, got it, got it, got it. But you're sitting in this spot where you're like, I am waiting for God to do something, and I am not moving until he does this. Maybe I would just encourage you to just let it go. Like, not like Frozen, the song, which I feel weird saying every time. Now, let it go. I can't help that. But like truly, let it, I got three daughters. Come on now, okay? <laughs> like truly like open those hands up, whatever you're white knuckling, say, okay, God, this is yours. I'm done asking for a sign. I'm done asking for you to do this or to do that or to make this thing happen. It's all yours. Now reveal to me you in a new way. And I will press into you. I will get on my face and I will open all, all of my life and say, you can have it. I will get in your word, trusting that your word is true and that you are there. This is the, one of the greatest things about Jonah is that, like I said, no one really, no one really doubted that Jonah was in the whale. Like it was, okay, yeah, that's great. That happens. But the fact that Jesus claims that it happens comes back to that very point of, okay, well, he's either telling the truth or he's lying or he's a crazy but he said it's there. It was a, a beautiful picture of the fork. Uh, it was a beautiful shadow prophecy through the way life happened of what was to come in him. So do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he is, he is capable of doing absolutely anything according to his will and he will do it in spite of you sometimes? Or are you just waiting and saying, no, you know what, Jesus? Show me this and then. Because if you're sitting there, it's, it's an awful, like, a Pharisee. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for, um, thank you for showing us uh, your grace to the people of Nineveh. Um, even, even your grace in, in recording someone like Jonah who just <laughs> followed you in such a poor way, in so many different ways. It gives me hope, knowing that in spite of my digging my feet in the ground sometimes or crossing my arms or not wanting to move like you were still going to do what you came to do and that is, is bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And you're doing that not just as a grand scale of, of making all things but you're doing it on an individual level with every single person. And so I pray for, for every person in this room that they would be fully surrendered to you. They, they, would, they would be fully surrendered to you not just in word but in action. That their belief wouldn't just be God show me something else. I will stop I will, I will only believe you as long as you keep doing these specific things in my life. They would just be fully surrendered saying, God, you are God no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what happens with this.
God, that you would remind those in the room that it's okay to doubt. It's okay to struggle. John the Baptist doubted, and he saw your heavens open up and heard your voice proclaiming the Messiahship of Jesus Christ, and he still doubted. So, God, it's okay that we doubt. I just pray in that doubt we would turn to you. And God, for those in the room that continually come week in and week out or, or, or staking some claim on something they did many years ago, but their life is drastically different than your gospel says, drastically different than the way that your word calls them to, God, would you, um, would you break them the way you broke the people of Nineveh, the way you broke the Queen of the South? And would you remind um, them that you're doing something so incredibly beautiful um, in the hearts of those fully surrendered to you? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.